Don't fuck with the Chuck. <laughs> oh my God. I can clap! Yay! Oh, it's the deeply unnecessary affirmation that you require. <laughs> but I do it anyway because I love you, and I'm your friend to the end. And, and like, I make Mickey watch terrible movies like the one we watched this week. No, all right. Well, hello, everybody, <laughs> and welcome once again to Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast, your go-to podcast for all things about movies that came after two other movies. I am Sam... And I am Will. And uh, the aforementioned bad movie that Will made us watch this week was Child's Play 3, uh, which is part of the long-running Child's Play slash Chucky series. And if I'm being honest, I think we may have just come into the franchise at a low point in it because uh, it's this is a franchise that's been running strong, unlike Halloween or uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This has never been retconned, with the exception of the remake that came out a couple years ago. It's never been retconned through seven feature films and now three seasons of a TV show. And it's all been uh, written and sort of shepherded by the same guy, Don Mancini, the whole time. And it's had a lot of the same creative people in the background. And I just, we happened to come into it at the rush job that came out 10 months after child's play 2 that even don mancini doesn't like so i think it's just <laughs> bad luck on our part yeah i mean it's just yeah i think that's just what it comes down to when you're a part three podcast maybe if you're a part four podcast you come in like at the upswing i don't know <laughs> people people i mean child's play 2 is great people love bride of chucky this is just the one that uh you know it's the mulligan you know not not every franchise is gonna nail it no one thinks Friday the 13th Part 3 is great, but they love 2 and 4, so, you know. There you go. Amazingly, this came out a little too late to be in 3D, because just <laughs> think of the puns. Think oh, of the, the Chucky puns for 3D, for, to be in 3D. It would have been written itself. Surprised they didn't when the 3D boom happened. In, uh, I think this franchise 2009 is... 2009 or so, I don't know. I think it's a little late. Uh, it just mi it missed the 3D boom of the early 80s, and it missed uh the 3d boom of the late 2000s it's it that those it didn't exist yet and then it was in like its dormant state as it went from uh theatrical releases to direct to video okay but um will so this was your pick uh do you have any history with the uh child's play franchise uh no uh, none really i mean my the biggest thing i remember is going into the video store and having to get through the horror section to get to like science fiction or something or the movies that i could watch and being really freaked out by the vhs cover of child's play 2 or the poster that when it was displayed on the in the video store of chucky holding the garden shears next to a jack in the box the whole that like just the whole vibe of that that picture scared the shit out of me and then by the time i got to when scream came out which is when i started watching slasher movies um you know the uh the Texas Chainsaw movies seemed too scary for me. It just seemed like too much. And then by the time I was like 13 or 14, the the Child's Play movies seemed too stupid. Like, I just couldn't take the idea of a killer doll seriously. And I didn't realize that that was kind of like, it's a, 
it's supposed to be kind of funny. But I didn't know that at the time, so I just sort of said, nah, I don't need to, I don't need to watch the Child's Play movies. I think I had caught some of them on TV, because when I watched Child's Play and Child's Play 2 and 3, um, a lot of scenes... I recognize, so I must have seen bits and pieces of them on TV from time to time. But I definitely don't have much history with this franchise. I'd definitely seen the first one before, and I think I'd seen Bride of Chucky like at a sleepover or something. Yeah, yeah. Because that was that one came out like post Scream. Yeah. Uh, and but no, I, I mean I don't know the movies, and but I think like a lot of people. Uh, I had not seen most of the movies, but I certainly knew who Chucky was. Like, right. Chucky yeah. is a horror icon who has, yeah. you know, transcended, especially because the franchise has gotten more comedic and, you know, kind of wilder and crazier. And he's, like Freddy, got more of a personality than, uh, you know, Jason or Michael or Leatherface. Right. Um, and it's been the same guy playing him. Our, our uh, podcast part three uh, Hall of Famer Brad Dourif. <laughs> That's right. Um, I he's like he is a pop culture icon. Like he's shown up multiple times on in WWE. <laughs> he hosted Halloween Havoc a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things watching the first Child's Play movie that it's like the design of Chucky is like almost instantly iconic. It's it's. It's not fair. <laughs> well, it's... in a way, it's like it's like that doll shows up and you're like, oh fuck! It's like creepy, but you also can buy it as being like a like in the toy store next to Cabbage Patch. Yeah, because I mean, this is it was inspired by the Cabbage Patch uh, dolls, which, who are freaky. Yeah, and, like at the same time, I think trolls were really big, and trolls are freaky. It just it was an era of weird dolls, uh, and so yeah, the the good guy dolls uh, totally track and totally yeah. make sense. Yeah. So uh, for folks that don't know the movies, it, the premise is uh, serial killer Charles Lee Ray, played by Brad Dourif, um, is uh, gunned down by the cops, and before he dies, he performs a voodoo ritual that puts <laughs> his soul in the body of the first thing he can, the only thing he can find which is a good guy doll at a toy store. So he possesses the body of this little doll and proceeds to, you know, commit uh, horrible murders and no one believes the little kid that's uh, got the doll, that the doll is killing. It's, it is the apogee of all the killer doll uh, right. uh, content that had come before. It's This is like the talking Tina on the Twilight Zone and that <laughs> Zulu doll from a Trilogy of Terror like crawled so Chucky could run. You know, yeah. it's... <laughs> And it was uh, the first movie is like it's, you know, not super high budget. It is a triumph of animatronics and yeah. special effects and, you know, really good kid performance. Yeah, like, oh, they, yeah. yeah. That guy. I mean, one of the things that actually really surprised me is how much that movie feels and looks like Manhunter or The Terminator. Mm, like, I, it was not what I was expecting when it's I a sat very, down to watch it. Very 80s cop movie vibe, especially yeah. in the opening act. You know, you've got Chris yeah. Sarandon. Uh, chasing him down. It's it reminded me a lot of also like the hidden. Oh yeah, or something absolutely. like that. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. where it's like start as one thing and then become another type of movie at the yeah. at the like end of the first act. Um, and then so the sequel was, uh, you know, kind of continued. The, the Andy Barkley, the kid, is kind of the main character through these first three movies, and the sequel continues the story. And I think the sequel was kind of a lot of 
Don Mancini, the writer of the first one, who became, you know, the custodian of the franchise, doing a lot of things he couldn't do in the first movie, like right. the big climax in the Chucky factory, the, like, good guy the doll factory, yeah. which is great. And yeah. a lot of people think, uh, would say Child's Play 2 is the best in the, the franchise, and I can see why. It kind yeah. of feels like they're refining everything they were setting out to do in the first movie, and you get a little bit more of the weird almost like John Waters-esque weirdness that would become like the, the, the staple in like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky going forward. Right. Yeah, and it's, um, I don't know. I I, um, I enjoyed watching the first two. I kind of found them a little repetitive and kind of boring. Well, I think um, that's part, that part of that is that I think Child's Play 2 is like, it's a little like Evil Dead 2 where it's like, we're going to go back and do a lot of the same stuff, but you know, we've, we've honed our craft a bit. Right. Yeah. It just, it doesn't have the same sense of like, I'm going bug nuts crazy on this concept. Like evil dead Two does. No, no. And it, it just, it just, there's only so much of Chucky kills somebody. The kid is either blamed or, or no one believes him. And you just kind of just rinse and repeat for like the whole second act until you get to the point where every, I mean, these movies are not long. They're like 80 minutes at the most. And um, and then you get to the, the end of the second act and everyone believes him. And that's when these movies like take off. Like the ending in the in this toy factory, the climax is kind of incredible. Um, just the way that it, it's like almost like a, a Looney Tunes or a, a Tom and Jerry gag sort of, you know, turned into a horror movie. Yeah, a lot of the like, iconic shots of the franchise are in child's play too like him coming out with the yardstick yep, like coming out yep. of the closet with the yardstick i feel like that's like the the chucky shot people yep. think of you know yeah. and it, i think and a lot of work apparently went into that one shot so i think they knew they knew what they were doing they knew what yeah. they had with chucky and when you got something that's a big hit and is becoming a cult phenomenon and you had two big movies that are a big success, what do you do? You you rush like hell to get that third one out. And it's uh and because it's <laughs> 1991, it's going to do the most 1991 trope ever, which is we're going to military school. <laughs> what was it with like 90s screenwriters and yeah, military can we get into school? It <laughs> Are these places real? Like, like, like. Remember the remake of Lord of the Flies? Yes, I was going to mention that. Like, that takes place in a military school for some god knows. Like, what is with that? Is this like ROTC? Are these kids going to like go into the? It's not like going to like the U.S. Naval Academy. It's not like they're at Annapolis. Is this just like a school that's like military themed? Is that how I... they work? They're for, obviously they're where you where 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 troublemaking kids get sent you know and they get their <laughs> hair cut and they you know it's, I, mean, it's I just so... and i always think about it in terms of like in the bill and ted movies <laughs> like mm, um, yes. ted is always being threatened with going to military school it's just i it's... always think of do you remember the movie masterminds yes yes with, with patrick, patrick stewart. stewart and vincent carthizer <laughs> yeah. it's at the beginning he's caught by his dad illegally downloading scream 2 and that's the final <laughs> straw that's going to get him sent to military school god i remember the i remember the trailers for that i never actually saw the movie it's but. i mean it's it's a movie that is just like ooh. What if what if Die Hard happened at your private academy? You know, like it's like Die Hard goes to Exeter. Yeah. 
I think it, this is definitely was I would say we've talked about this before with part threes with uh, with part threes where it's it's significant in that it determines what the franchise will not be because this is right. clearly was like the last straw for Don Mancini. He's gone on record saying he's not happy with this movie and how it turned out. And I think going forward, he had way more control and was like, we're not going to make conventional slasher, right. you know, type movie anymore. It's going to be Chucky's going to be weirder and crazier and have like John Waters, Ed Wood references and psychosexual stuff. And, right. You know. Yeah. And I mean, like this movie, the weirdest thing about it is that it's a slasher movie set at the school and most of the victims are adults. Yeah. Isn't that like weird? Well, there's only three adults that appear to run the place. Right. Well, I mean, there's, there's that. And there's, like, there's the, ca- the commander. All of them get murdered. <laughs> uh, there's uh, fucking Andrew Robinson as the barber. And then there's like one other guy who's yeah. like the only one who's not like an on the nose asshole. And I think they all get killed. They do. And it's and 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 then the only other person who is the the garbage the dump truck driver and everyone else like who gets killed by Chucky is sort of killed. Well, not directly. Like you know, you loaded the bullets in the in the guns that are supposed to have paintball paint gun paint bullets. I whatever. did like when he kills the commander because he's gonna kill him, and then the guy just has a heart attack anyway yeah. and drops dead. That was, <laughs> that Ch- was Chucky's really like, funny. you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> like that's pretty good. Like, yeah. it, it, you can't uh, you can't ding Brad Dourif. Uh, no, you know, he's. He, He's having a blast. He's having so much fun. Like, everything you get in in Exorcist 3, he brings to every Chucky movie. (laughs) Yeah, and it's clear that, at least in 2, that they're, like, they're trying to make him very much like Freddy Krueger and having sort of this... Oh, yes, the puns. The puns and and saying bitch all the time. Don't fuck with the Chuck. (laughs) But this movie, it seems like every, like raw every like bad creative decision of the first two movies is this movie like every single one it's it, just like it feels so rushed and it feels yeah. so all the characters feel so cliche like there's like none of them are none of them are that interesting it's a different actor playing andy in this so you have you don't have um someone to like latch on to like yeah and you know. and justin whalen is playing it like he's in some like tv drama like he is just not he doesn't the tone is like not there for him well it, not that he's a bad actor at no. all he just isn't he's just not playing it like you'd sort of think yeah the, you know the other ki- the kid um what's is like michael something michael vincent or something like alex that? Min- uh, alex, alex vincent. vincent uh um, you're thinking of jan michael vincent you're right um Air, airwolf <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, Alex Vincent is so genuine because, like, the first right. movie, he's, you know, barely acting. It's a lot right. like, you know, Danny in The Shining. They're kind of, like, he's such a little kid. Yeah. I think Justin Whalen feels more like a performance. Like, it's, right. an, it's it's much more polished. It's much more like, you know. Yeah, and it just, it just feels like he's in the wrong movie. It feels like he's in a TV movie about a military academy and not in sort of, a, like, a, a slasher movie that opens at in a toy company as like sort of this corporate satire thing. You know what I mean? Like the tone is just so off. It would be better suited to playing the earnest young photographer at the daily planet. Exactly. Yes. Yes. 
because he was or, one of like the three Jimmy Olsons. He's Lois the and Clark. second. I think he's the the most Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, I think he's in most of it. Yeah, and then he's also because I, I was watching the movie and you know. I'd never, I never. I was trying to place him, and I was like, "Oh, okay." He was on Lois and Clark. I didn't really watch Lois and Clark. What I was actually putting him in was Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. And Dragons. <laughs> oh, I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Oh, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, no, just stick him next next to Martin Lawrence and uh, uh, Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans. God. They couldn't afford Martin Lawrence in nineteen ninety. No, no, no. I, I, I was thinking. Marlon Wayans, I just, anyway. It's okay. My brain broke. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's just Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> hey, listen. Listen. Mina was... Savari's best performance. She's not in that. Fuck me. It's, it's, uh... Thora Birch. <laughs> it's the, ah, uh, damn it. I was just talking with my wife about a Thora Birch mara- uh, movie marathon and how if you can only program three, do you cut out American Beauty to make room for Monkey Trouble? So what would it be? Would it be Dungeons and Dragons, American Pie, and Monkey Trouble? She's not in American Pie. Yes, she is. Thora Birch? Thora Birch. No, no, it's Mina Suvari who I'm thinking of. This is, Will, this is really, I'm really disappointed in you. Could you please listen. get your alt, uh, alt team, uh, listen, listen. Uh, cut, sex cut symbols of the late 90s and early 2000s straight, please? No. Uh. Thora Birch would be Hocus Pocus. Right. Of uh, course. Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. She's in American Beauty, but not the one he's lusting after. Right. Uh, and she's in Ghost World. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Patriot Games. Mina Suvari, on the other hand, is American Pie. American Beauty. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> all got. that's all I got. <sighs> it's been a long day. Anyway, moving on. Check. I mean, it's all right. How often do we... Uh, <laughs> For a movie that won Best Picture, I don't give American Beauty a ton of thought here in 2023. No, or when it does come up, you it, it brings up a lot of... Um, it's problematic, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> what did it lose to? I'm always... I, I can't remember. It, it, did it, I, feel I mean, like... it was 99, so that was a pretty big year. Um, I think it was... was uh, that wasn't the Goodwill Hunting year. That was No, year that would have been before. 97. Yeah. Um, oh, um, I guess the Cider House Rules and the Green Mile and the Insider and the Sixth Sense. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't know. That wasn't, that's a very, that's a low-key Oscar year. It's a bad, the Oscars are, but it's, like, such a big, like, formative year. Like, that's the Fight Club year. That's the Matrix year. That's Office Space. Like, it's yeah, such a, Yeah, but they didn't know, know what they, they had. Didn't, they, they didn't, didn't know what yeah. they had with those. Like, yeah. you know, they, they, those weren't getting nominated for Well, best. I, I mean, yeah, not Best Picture, anyway. I think no. Matrix won a bunch of uh, Yeah, Matrix took the awards, technical but... awards. Phil Collins got Best Original Song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was the year of Music of the Heart, the uh, Wes Craven movie uh, that's not a oh, horror right. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wow, we got off topic fi- quick. There's not much to go <laughs> There's with. There's not much, <laughs> to not talk much about. going on with Chuck Child's Play 3. It's, um, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's all Military Academy stuff. But it never does, like, any work to set up the world of the Military Academy. It just sort of expects you to be like, 
to expect you as an audience member to be like, military academy, I understand everything. It is just maybe we knew just from cinematic tropes. It's not yeah. like you know anyone that went to military school. It's right. not that common in real life. You know, it's, um, you know, we all knew, like, <laughs> I think it's because everyone had seen right. a little jacket. <laughs> So they're referencing that, and everyone remembered Niedermeyer from um, Animal House. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's all you really need. All you need to know is like, a pledge pin! Oh, I can't believe he wasn't in this movie. Yeah. Well, and that's the, but that's the thing. It's like, because they don't bother to establish the world of the school as anything, as anything, like, they don't even do the thing that you'd expect it to do, where Andy has to go through a day. And like experience what the you know? No, you know I, mean, I mean he's like, he's he shows up, and as far as I can tell, the rest of the movie takes place over the next day and a half. Right. You know? Yeah, it feels like almost there's an hour missing from the movie too. Like it just like there's just stuff that. Like, and all we can really go on in terms of the passage of time is uh, a- a- Andrew Robinson determining when people need ne- their next haircut. Right. Because exactly. he's in. <laughs> A completely different, better movie because he's like, he he clearly was like watched just Chucky footage from the first and was like, oh okay, I know what this movie's like. I'm gonna play it as weird as possible. And and that is like every time he shows up, you're like, oh okay, I'm on board with this movie because he is just giving this unhinged performance. And then when he decides to like cut the doll's hair, you're like, yeah, who is this person? <laughs> The first thing when you find, like, a, a, a Chucky doll is, I'm going to give you a haircut. <laughs> That's not a regulation cut. Like, what? <laughs> well, it's like, he's also, like, he's, I think he's more of the vibe of, like, the later movies in the right. franchise. And also, he's Andrew Robinson, so we know him from, you know, obviously from Dirty Harry, but, like, in this era, people know him from Hellraiser. And right. so he's like, oh, look, there's, like, a horror guy in this movie, and that feels like it's giving it a little credibility, but he's just completely, you'd almost think he was added in reshoots, <laughs> like uh, the Exorcist in Exorcist 3. Yes, exactly. And uh, and then also the little boy who finds Chucky at first. Tyler? I think it's Tyler. I didn't write it down, but he just, that kid just, like, doesn't feel like a real person. He just feels like a movie kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's... It, He's it's such just, a like like adorable little scamp running around the military academy, right? Who like doesn't have any like like sense awareness of being like this doll talking to me, it, telling me like in, things in <laughs> the um it, like behind the scenes stuff. Don Mancini talks about the actor, and he says basically like he he gave a great performance, but he's too old for that part. Like he, yes, he yes. came off too mature, and yeah. like so it came off the character comes off really weird because he seems like he's too old to be playing with dolls. Right. Like, if he felt more like Andy in the first movie, I think it would have worked. Which they were going for, and I thought that was kind of an interesting flip on the, the premise a little bit. Is sort of like, oh, it's going to be a different kid that he, he deals with. But it doesn't... The movie ultimately doesn't really do anything with it. He just kind of is there, and then Andy's, like, worried about him, and then... Yeah, the the they... movie's so not interested in him to the point where, at the end, you don't even know what happens to him. Yeah, after yeah, like You don't see him after the battle on top of the aggro crag. And, and, like, you almost expect, if this were following a trajectory of Andy's character, you almost expect the movie to be 
Andy marshalling, becoming the leader of this military academy to, like, kill Chucky. Yeah, you know? and it, it feels like it's going to be that for, like, a hot second, because you've got right. his roommate, but then his roommate, like, you know, kind of withers and, and withers into, like, a little ball as a character. Yeah. And it's De Silva, the girl, and you almost get it like for a hot second it looks like the 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 dick shelton is gonna suddenly come around and then he's shot which is like actually was genuinely surprising to me because he just goes he just gets like blown open yeah and it turns into like this genuine like vietnam war movie for about five minutes in there with like (laughs) the roommate falling on the grenade right yeah and which is that's the other, the very strange thing about this movie. So the first thing is that Andy has, like, no character arc at all. It's just sort of, like... It's the same arc he's had in the first two movies. Exactly. He There's knows no... that Chucky's out there up to no good, and he's got to prove it. It's just a different environment this time, and they don't do yeah. enough with that environment to right. make that the defining attribute. Right, and so because of that, the uh, the movie decides to have a second climax, wherein the movie starts its climax, which you think is going to be on this training battlefield... And then, uh, no, it's it's now in a traveling carnival. Yeah, What's you know, like? one of those middle-of-nowhere <laughs> carnivals that has a and, haunted house that is way too big to have fit inside one of those trailers. It's like a, a haunted house roller coaster, and it's like, what is this? This movie was in a military academy. Why is this now the, the This happens this in Texas Chainsaw 3D <laughs> as well, where, like, Leatherface just chases the heroes through a carnival that appears to pop up at random. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, I guess they didn't think... They, what they had was strong enough, so they just uh, decided to tack on the fun house. And I think it is. It must. It, it's got to be one of those things where they're like, we just need something as a set piece for the end, and right? something that I mean, like is you know, how do we kill Chucky? Someone wrote on the board, fan. You know, <laughs> it's like what's got a fan? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, theme park equipment. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know, it just, it becomes, and also, like, Chucky's motive sort of just becomes repetitive at this point, where it's like, oh, he needs to get his soul into somebody else now. And yeah, the, like, the, the more on. they get away from the voodoo angle, the better Chucky is, because I think that was another, like, compromise that Don Mancini had to make in the first one, with like that, or that the follow-up writers put in, or, like, Tom Holland put in. Right. So I think uh, he, you know, I don't think he was a fan of that, but he's kind of it was like kind of an anchor on the character for the first three, and I think it got played more comically in Bride of Chucky. As it, with as like, it starts you know. going, on, which makes sense because it it like it, it by the time you get to a third part of the movie, and if the the main villain has the exact same, I mean, I guess it it, it it's one thing if he just wanted to kill Andy, and his motivation was just kind of like Michael Myers, where he's just going after his family members and trying to kill them, but here. He's just trying to do the same thing, and it just doesn't consistently work. And it's never clear, like, what the magic is doing and how it works and why it doesn't work sometimes, you know? It just makes you wish that, um, you know, thinking about, like, what Charles Lee Ray's motivation is and, like, how he appears in the first movie, it's like you don't really ever get a sense of who he is beyond, you know, the quipping and the, the evil. It just makes you wish... It still makes me wish, though... Oh God! If he'd been the Joker in Batman '89, oh, he would have been great. Oh, he's yeah. so fucking good. Oh, he pisses me off. He is yeah. the he is one of the be- he, one of if not the best thing in almost everything he's in. Like yeah. he's the best part of the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. He's 
one he's such a good character on Deadwood because oh, on yeah. De- and on Deadwood he's playing so against type too. You know, it's like you can't say enough great things about the guy. I you know, I'm I think it's so cool that he's still playing the part. He is he is to Chucky what Robert Englund is to uh uh Freddy Krueger and you know when they recast Chucky they got uh they got a ringer they got, they got yeah. Mark Hamill and we love Mark Hamill they got the Joker but <laughs> it's not the same it's just not no. the same thing you know yeah I, I mean I didn't I didn't see the remake I mean did it's, you I, it well it's you know it's different than the voodoo angle there's no Charles right. Lee Ray right it, it's a it's a killer it's, robot it's a killer basically. AI the killer yeah. it's killer cloud it's uh yeah. he's Genesis from <laughs> Terminator <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> Well, and it just seemed like like a year or maybe like even less the that Megan sort of took what that movie was trying to do and just made it better. Oh yeah, right. Because because yeah. well, because Killer Doll that never goes out of style. No, no, no. You know, we're still they're still Slappy the Dummy is still front and center in the Goosebumps franchise <laughs> for a reason. Uh, you know, it, there's there's a reason why they still make Chucky. I mean, part of it is that the guy that it's it's been a well tended to like the, the franchise's John Carpenter or Sean Cunningham never wa- walked away. He's he's protected this franchise and taken really good care of it and you know, I think like like we said at the, at the top, we just kind of came in at a weak spot in it and that's yeah. uh, you know, that's where that we are bound by the laws of the podcast. <laughs> That's true. We are not a part four podcast. We are not a part two podcast. Unless there is a narrative third <laughs> chapter in your part four, it's it's a part four. <laughs> and no, none of these movies have ever been retconned. I think they all uh, they all get referenced in some form or another in the later movies and in the show. And that's uh, that's really admirable. And I I, um, I really do appreciate that, especially now where where we keep constantly getting movies that show up where it's like, oh, ignore parts one, one and two or ignore, you know, parts two, three and four. You know what I mean? It's I, I appreciate it where it's like, well, we may have fucked up in one area or another, but we're just going to move on well, and that's, keep going. And then that's the thing I like is when a franchise can get creative with its missteps. Like, yeah. one of the best things, you know, obviously new era Star Wars, we've all got our notes on it. But I think one of the best things they did really early on, I think as early on as like Rogue One, was they opted to say, the prequels happened and all the stuff in it is completely valid and we're going to treat it with respect and not make quips like I have so, like you, you, they don't make quips like, well, at least he's not a Gungan, you know, or something right. like some yeah. shit like that, you know, and I think Chucky does the same thing. And I they're 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 back to the well with Michael. They're going back for more <laughs> Halloween. It's going to be a TV show. It's going to be a big expanded universe. If I were them. Go make that's the you're never going to you've done all you can with Michael. Do this for the fans and just throw it all in. Cult of Thorn, Dr. Death, Connell Cochran, like make something, take it. And this is your toolkit. Now make something of it. That's the real challenge. It's the endless retconning that is just so it's it's you know, it's it's a way to go, but it's an easy way out, in my opinion. No, I I think so, too. I think it is. I think it's it's almost like the. It's too easy. I think it's like almost creatively lazy to be like, well, we're going to make an Alien 5, but we're going to ignore Alien 3 and 4. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just so we can get back the characters you love. That's it's like, the, no. the, well, that's the xenomorph in the room uh, is well, Alien 5, and everyone was amped for it. Well, but right. I'm kind of glad it didn't get made. Yeah, and I think it's just you need to... 
I don't know. I think part of the, the fun of writing, or sometimes the part of the fun of writing, is to get yourself out of a corner that you've painted yourself into, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's what you need to take the, the, the franchise as. It's not, okay, we're just going to ignore everything except the first one. Okay, well, let's see. How can we use it, or what can we ignore... You know, or even, you know what, I'm kind of okay with retcons if they're done elegantly enough. You know what I mean? Well, and it's it's like, it's the same. Retcons are the uh, just a different type of fan service, if yeah. you ask me. If they're, and fan service is at its best when it's not at the, it's not a replacement for good characters and good storytelling. Yeah, and Star exactly. Wars at its best when it's doing fan service is still doing it, you know, in the spirit, in Marvel too, is still doing it for the sake of the story. And I think, Clearly, the Chucky franchise uh, does that even better, probably. Yeah. It has yeah, a lot I mean, less pressure on it, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's that's part of it, too. I mean, I think, you know, uh, Chucky, aside from his, like, iconic look and, and everyone knows him as a, a, a slasher character or a horror icon, how many people have actually watched the movies is that's true. Yeah. fairly low. It's so It's got like, to be, like, even less than Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's not that the, the first three, well, the third one's pretty bad, but it's not that the first two movies are bad, you know, they're just, I just don't think, I think they're probably more niche or culty, you know. Well, there's three different, like, eras of Chucky movies. There's the first right. three, there's Bride and Seed, and then there's uh, Curse and Cult and the TV show. And that's like, and my understanding is Curse... Curse and Cult and the TV show are, are the ones where, like, things, they just sort of go hog wild on the concept. Right? Yeah, I mean, but, like, still very earnest and, like, right, dedicated yeah. to telling a real story. You know, I, yeah. think, I think there's, it can be done. You know, it's not that hard. I think, you know, you just have to have someone that's prepared to steer the ship. And, you know, blessings on Don Mancini for doing that all these years. And I'm, I'm happy he's had control of his, you know, his baby. No, I mean, and, and that's, like, possibly the most admirable admirable thing about it because like that never happens like no. even even if like john carpenter didn't really want to be involved like but like even if he had wanted to he probably would have been kicked out at some point well you know? i mean like, if if halloween 3 had been a hit he might right, have stuck he might around have for the and the that alt universe mm, well know? right but but i mean or, you know, it's Sean like, Cunningham or, exactly. you know, Wes Craven kind of, you know, went away and came back. You know, yeah. it, it's it's I think it's yeah, you need someone steering the ship like there, there's a reason why Star Wars now feels a little more disjointed. You may not like the prequels. They're a mess. They're not good. But right, George but Lucas had a very consistent vision for them. Right. There was a singular mind behind all of them. And the problem with the with modern Star Wars, as we've talked about, is just that it feels sort of made by committee. And it's worse aspects. It just feels like made by committee yeah. sort of studio. There's nothing product. wrong with that they're doing it. It's that yeah. they're, you know, it's it's gotten a very assembly line. And I think they're starting to figure that out. Same with the yeah. Marvel stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't know if Matthew Vaughn needs to remake the original, but, uh... <laughs> no, but, see, it's all about the Skywalker saga. Oh, it's all about no. the Skywalker family. No! It's like, dude, I'd no. rather get more Mark <laughs> Hamill as Chucky than I would Mark <laughs> Hamill as Luke Skywalker. It's done. Or just, or just retelling those first original movies. It's like, no, move on. And move no, on from that. Well, also, like, 
remember the last they're never gonna do that because they tried recasting han solo one time and fans, <laughs> and fans and lost even though i minds. actually i kind of like solo uh they they got so angry so we're gonna have like cg zombie you know peter cushing and mark hamill till the end of time well right because that's the that's the thing that disney lost the uh or you know didn't understand Solo's uh, underperformance at the box office, and they thought that everyone was uh, annoyed at the recasting. Not a Han Solo prequel was the yeah, problem. No one really <laughs> wants the story. All the Ehrenreich <laughs> isn't the problem. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with, you know, uh, Freddy and, and, and Chucky. It's, you know, the, the problem isn't with those remakes isn't the casting. It's that yeah. you don't do enough with the material to justify right. their existence. Right, exactly. It's like, do we need a remake? No. It's like, we just need no. the money. And if you're gonna do it, you gotta prove it's it's something worthwhile. Yeah, or take a wild swing or or, or make a take. And, but the problem is, is in modern Hollywood, if you take a wild swing... It has to work out for you, because if it doesn't, then it makes Hollywood sort of retreat and go, no, 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 we have to do more of the same. Well, that or you just wait until the franchise, like, reaches its putrescence and no one cares if you're remaking it, like uh, Hellraiser. <laughs> well, right. Man, ninety ninety one. you got Hellraiser 3, Leatherface, and this. this is a... Exorcist 3 is not in good company when it comes to horror threequels at this time. No, no. I, I mean, I, maybe, I think, I think Exorcist Believer is making more people come around to Exorcist 3 as, like, <laughs> the one banger as, sequel. As, as the only good sequel. Yeah, well, it's the only sequel that's trying to do something different, you know? It's, it's, it's like, it's doing in, it's telling, like, the same themes, but in a completely different story. And with different characters, yeah. too. I mean, or like, I mean, you know, you have one of the characters from that first movie, from that first story is part of it, but it's not, you know, I mean, and, I guess the demon, too, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not Mercedes McCambridge doing the voice yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah. And also the demon's only in the reshoots. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. uh, but... <laughs> Uh, I think that's the difference between Child's Play 3 and stuff later on, like Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, where it is like, we're going to have the same themes, same type of tone, but we're going to tell very different stories and take it in different directions. And this is just kind of like a misstep on the path to that. Right. And I like mean, Exorcist 3, they realize really all you need is just a good amount of Brad Dourif. <laughs> Well, really, every movie needs a good amount of Brad Dourif. I I was so because Andrew Robinson's in this, and Andrew Robinson was all over Deep Space Nine, and he's a great mm-hmm. character on Deep Space Nine. I was so sure Brad Dourif was like, I was like, he must have been like a big recurring character on Star Trek's at some point because like Jeffrey Combs was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Combs played like five different characters he's, on. Star- he's got the face for a Star Trek. Character. He's only ever he was in a two part Voyager uh, like finale and premiere. That's it. Wow. Like, it's just, uh, it's so surprising to me because, like, every character actor did 90s Star Trek. Yeah, you'd think he would have, he would have been perfect. He's, like I said, he's got the face for it. I gave him coffee once. Did I tell you this? Oh, did you? I was a, uh, I was a PA on, um, on this movie that was shooting in Salt Lake called Lock and Roll Forever. Nice. He, which, was, <laughs> which was about this Japanese band, uh, kind of... I don't even know. It was a weird movie. Oh, was, was it lock and roll like an accent joke? 
I think so. Oh. I've never seen it. I don't. Okay. So I don't. All right, really right, know. right. It's fine. It's, it's Brad Dourif got to eat. That's fine. And, uh, but he was um, he was the the band's manager, um, and I had to do a coffee run for like the the crew and the cast, and I gave him his latte, and he was very appreciative. He I've heard a very, he's a very nice. Guy. I've heard he's a lovely human being. You know. <laughs> Despite looking terrifying. <laughs> well, all the loveliest human beings look terrifying. And uh, he he will be in another, or Brad Dourif will be in another part three, right? When we do um, Return of the King. Isn't he in Return of the King? He is in the extended Return of the King. He's in the extended one. He's not in the, the theatrical version. Yes, That's but right. yes, he is 100%. Lest, lest we not forget, he's also in, much like Vigo uh, last <laughs> week, he is a Lord of the Ring, future Lord of the Rings alum. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so. but yeah, so we're, we've come to, we're about to come to the end of the month. It's going to be the end of spooky threequel season. And it's going to be, I think our final episode will, uh, drop right on Halloween. And unfortunately there's no new Halloween content. No, <laughs> no new Michael Myers this season for us to talk about. Uh, so thinking about Leatherface, um, I'm thinking next time we go to, uh, the other character inspired by Ed Gein, we hang out with, a. Uh, Hotelier Norman Bates, and we're going to do Psycho 3, starring and directed by Anthony Perkins. Wow, I, I'm excited because I haven't seen any of the Psycho sequels, so I'll have to watch Psycho 2 and 3. For, so for they are uh, Psycho 2 I actually rather like. Psycho 3 is kind of a mess, uh, but it is a very interesting movie, very interesting visually. Uh, he uh, His big inspiration when he started production on it was he showed everyone on the cast and crew Blood Simple had just okay. come out. And okay. he was like, I want a Coen Brothers vibe to this. And, uh, All right. you know, I think visually he accomplishes that. And you have a absolutely bug nuts performance from Jeff Fahey. So, <laughs> and, and, and you cannot go wrong with that. It's, uh, it's one of those, like, like the Jaws sequels. It's like, here's this instantly classic movie. And here we're making sequels to it. And it's, it's not only is it like an instant classic, it's also by like one of the most renowned directors it, of all time. And it's, it's also unlike Jaws, though, they waited a long time. Right. Like, you know, I think they waited till Alfred Hitchcock wasn't going to be able to do anything. About it. But it is just like it's well, Richard Franklin, who directed uh, Psycho 2, was like a protege of Alfred Hitchcock. And okay. he cared he, like he wasn't trying to do a cash in. It's like there and Anthony Perkins, you know, was in the all three of the original sequels and i think you know he clearly was invested in this character and like letting the letting norman bates evolve past you know where you leave him at the end of the first psycho so you know it's another just it is also one of those things where we're going to start the episode you know like with like so for those of you that don't know psycho from 1960 (laughs) you know is the most important horror movie ever made. <laughs> a movie so ahead of its time, you literally need a man to that you've never seen before to walk around for the last 10 minutes of the movie explaining what the fuck you just saw. <laughs> that's the best part of the movie to me. Like just like, I'm sorry, who are you, sir? <laughs> And then when they remade it, the Gus Van Sant remake, where you don't need that explanation anymore, they do it again, word for word. <laughs> Robert Forster just shows up in the last ten minutes and of the remake, explaining like, everything. I I got the whole story, but not from Norman, from his mother. I'm like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was. We just saw it. It was the same as before, but worse. <laughs> 
I've never seen the remake. It's, oh I never, my god! I never, it always seemed like such it's a weird so, experiment. It's so strange. It's so like the whole time because most sequel remakes, especially horror remakes, when they come out, you're you know the anticipation is like, what are they gonna do different that's gonna right, ruin right, it? Right. I'm you're halfway through that movie and you're like, they're not doing anything. When are different? they gonna do something different? <laughs> Is the only major change that everyone is miscast? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so weird because so much of like Psycho relies on like a lot of like twisting perspectives and you know I I mean a lot of people have done a breakdown of like Psycho 1960 versus Psycho 98 and you yeah. know what the movie is trying to do the same framing, but like there's like subtle things that make it different. Cause like, obviously Gus Van Sant's not a bad director, but he's, he's actively trying to mimic another director, a man who was aggressively meticulous about his framing. you know, and there's a lot of stuff in, in psycho that is, you know, it's fucking Alfred Hitchcock people. Do I really need to, (laughs) do I need to make the case for his filmmaking acumen? Maybe no, I don't. I don't think you do. No, no. It's, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a an interesting like. It's another one of those like, oh, this is a franchise. There's like four movies here, you know, <laughs> uh, and a failed pilot, and a remake, and a TV show. Yes, that's right. They did make that that Bates Motel show. I forgot. And that about was that. another one that was like, let's do it differently. Let's let's right. change everything, and you know, let ever all the characters breathe a bit more. And I think that was to its benefit. It wasn't trying to play the hits. I mean, I, I think well, with something like Psycho, I think you have to do something like that because it's just it's almost it's just too. You're expected to yeah, it, do a spin on it, which is makes right. this, the remake so baffling. Right. Isn't that it's yeah. aggressively not making us doing a spin on it. And right. it's like, and I don't believe that it's sacrilege to remake a classic. You just have to, like we've been saying, you have to do have something. Take. Yeah. yeah. You have to justify its existence beyond like brand recognition. Right. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. But thankfully, uh, there's enough Chucky, OG Chucky to go around that you don't have to rely on the remake for more Chucky content. Like, we've got, if we opted to keep going, we have four more movies and a TV show to get through. Like, I'm genuinely curious to see where this goes, actually. I am too, especially because I, you know, again, I'm sort of a a neophyte to the franchise, aside from knowing what Chucky Yeah, we all know Chucky, but now we, we get to know Chucky, you know. Exactly. The man behind the the man behind the the doll. And then Jennifer Tilly shows up, mm-hmm. and Devin Sawa's in the show, like all yeah. sorts of. Uh, John Ritter's in Bride of Chucky. Yeah, yeah. And isn't uh, Bride of Chucky's directed by? Is it Ronnie Yu? Yeah, who directed Freddy versus, Freddy Jason. versus Jason. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's the so. same thing where there's like he's bringing a real off kilter sensibility yeah. to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Until uh, until next time, Will. Um, any final thoughts on Child's Play three? Don't uh, don't fuck with the Chuck. Don't. I think that's. I mean, don't fuck with the Chuck. Don't fuck with he's, the Chuck. He has a fiery temper, and he'll kill you, <laughs> even if he's a little doll. <laughs> even if you're just like a random guy playing like golf in your office. Oh no! I mean, he's he. he... <laughs> 
he's 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 an ill-tempered <laughs> individual. He just, like, he just kills that that CEO for no real reason. No, no <laughs> opportunity for a quip should be wasted. Will? Nope, nope. He's just uh, anyway. Anyway, until next time, uh, because right now my baby monitor's battery is about to die. Ah. So, you know, duty calls. Uh, Will, always a delight. Always a pleasure. Always Looking forward to uh, Psycho 3 next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is this will be fun. Yeah. So. And until then, folks, uh, hope you're having a good Halloween season. Uh, be safe out there. And uh, we will see you all later. Later.